Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
some socially responsible people. Well, uh, well, boy, yeah. that was a that was a weird uh, tangent we went on there. Can no, you know so it, much it, of that it wasn't stuff? really a tangent. It was perfectly in line because yeah. of the fact that we're recording remotely. That's true. That's true. So this is exciting. This is our fourth season of Patreon in our premiere episode for season four. Yeah. So what we're doing with this season is we are taking movies that that uh, you know influenced us um, that. We we really have a strong connection to you know uh, it's time to to tell the story we we kind of kept it quiet because of where we were in COVID land but for my birthday this year my yep. wife uh, set up a beautiful very small intimate private showing of what I say is my favorite movie The Empire Strikes Back which is true <laughs> but secretly it's E T. <laughs> but I don't want to watch it in front of other people because I cry. <laughs> crying fair. in front of That's other fair. people makes me uncomfortable. That's true. So. That's true. Especially for a big birthday like your 40th, right? Yeah. It's just unbecoming. I was so glad that she didn't clue in on the fact that E.T. is actually my favorite movie. But yeah. it's 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 my favorite movie, but it's not one that I can watch all the time. It's so special to me. Yeah. I've seen it a bunch, but I haven't watched it. Probably in, well, I watched it during uh, quarantine last year with the bean, but before that, it had probably been seven years. But it's not that I didn't want to. I'm like, oh, I got to keep it super special. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, so we'll we'll get into when we talk about the history. Um, It's been probably even longer than that for me. Okay. You know what I love about this? You know, we're always looking for these different themes for the Patreon seasons. And I'm really proud of everything we've made there. Yeah. And uh, we, I think we had a lot, I'm really excited about the season. So our movie milestones, we're grabbing these movies that hold those kind of special places in our heart, really at key points in our lives. Right. Sure. So our first two, each of us getting to pick are the movies of our childhood. So movies that imprinted on us really young, we're going to move, you know, a little bit, uh, loosely depending on each of us how we view this something you know later childhood teen or preteen and you know and then a movie a little bit later in life but you know giving us those kind of those three different views of us at different moments in our lives and movies that mean a lot to us so i'm super excited about this i am too i mean we originally were actually going to record this but there were some um uh, scheduling issues. We yes. were going to record this uh, the day after I uh, got fired from my job. Um, <laughs> I was, wasn't going to bring that up. It's fine. Right, you no, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, Patreon, you're getting a little sneak behind uh, Casey's personal life right now. Yeah, and, right. you know, in the future, you I'll have another job by then. Uh, sure. I'm fine. I'm doing ride share for now. Yep. So... But uh, I said to Danny, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of glad our schedules didn't line up because... I would not have been able to do E.T. And she goes, oh, my God, that's what you had to record tonight? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> E.T., the extraterrestrial, would have popped up on the screen at the beginning. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's good. So, yeah, so, you know, took the edge off it a little bit. You were doing uh, driving for the rideshare services before all of this occasionally. Sure. So mm-hmm. you just leaned in a little bit more. Leaning in uh, a little bit more, yeah. If you need a uh, all-around great guy, phenomenal hey. teammate, experienced salesperson, I know where you can find it, somebody who's uh looking for his next gig so who's that drop us a note yeah oh it's you it's you oh it's you it's you yeah why don't we get into this because i'm really excited to talk about this yeah well since we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes what are we drinking once again i was tasked with the enormous responsibility 
of finding the beer. So I went to our favorite place to go, branching out in Camillus, New York at Township 5, and we were kind of looking at space themes and all this stuff, and I just happened to say to Carissa, you know, we could do like a peanut butter flavored beer if you've got that because <laughs> of the Reese's Pieces in the movie. And Chris is like, oh, I, I have a peanut butter beer right here. And it's a peanut butter Hefeweizen. I'm like, it's fucking sold. Not only is it a Hefeweizen, it's an Imperial Hefeweizen. Uh-huh. I, I have no idea what to expect. I'm not going to lie. I don't drink a lot of peanut butter beers, so this is going to be interesting. For a hot second after I left, I was like, oh, fuck. That's not allergic to peanut butter, is <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I'm not. No worries. No worries. Ooh, that would have been bad. We are drinking Rusty Rail Brewing Company out of Milfenburg, Pennsylvania. We are drinking their Fool's Gold Imperial Peanut Butter Hefeweizen, a rare <laughs> style of Hefeweizen which uniquely blends peanut butter and banana flavors. It has an ABV of 8.0, and the IBUs are not at a nice 20 Right. So that's you, not uh, too bad. You know, now I get it. As soon as you said that, the banana notes are really common with Hefeweizen. So sure. That's why I love them. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, okay. I, I see where you're going with this. All right. Oh, yeah. That is peanut buttery. I just smelled it. Wow. It is. It doesn't, you know, I was half expecting it to be a brown beer. It's not. It's a <laughs> traditional Hefeweizen gold. All right, listen, I, I'm excited. not going to lie, I'm coming into this skeptical, but I'm, I'm going to give right. it a shot. All right, cheers. cheers, brother. Oh, my God, that's really good. That's really good. Okay, Here, Okay. so... Oh, if, wait, it comes back, the peanut butter comes back a second time. Oh, wow. But but not too strong. No. Nope. I mean, that, that was my fear, was that it was going to be like drinking a glass of peanut butter. Blah. It is not. It's got just enough of a hint. That's really good. I'm, I'm really surprised. The flat out, no, no, no It's not too sweet. It's nice and smooth. It's very digestible. Yep. Much like the movie we're here to talk about. <laughs> That's right. Boom. You know, remember that uh, peanut butter, was it a peanut butter whiskey that we had with Chuck? And you, That you was think, also really good. Yeah, thinking that, again, how could peanut butter work there? It does there, and it does here. That's a really good beer. Holy cow. Crap. All right. So I'm sold. They, again, I mean, I, I don't know how many times we have to say it before you all just start getting your beer from here, but branching out in Township 5, Camillus, New York, finest beer selection in all of central New York. 100%. Uh, I also like this. I think that <coughs> for the Patreon, I think we should get the beers for our movies. Oh, sure. That you know, like yeah, a, yeah. Na- a natural pairing there? Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, so, because I don't think you would have, if I, you had gone, you wouldn't have said peanut butter. I would not have. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's, no, this is perfect. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's great. All right. So, no reshoots or reactions because it's a kickoff of our. It's also Patreon. Patreon we don't do it season. in Patreon land. Yeah. I mean, we'll acknowledge If you got a problem, go fuck your. No, yeah. oh, no these are, these are paying friends. These are paying friends. If you got a problem, please keep paying us. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, so the, the, okay. I am, I'm going to just start with this. The IMDB score of this movie. Do you know what it is? I want to say it's low. It's a 7.8. Oh, you mother yeah, Exactly. Yeah. We will. Yes. We'll save our scorn uh, for the end here. Uh, so this movie comes out in 1982. Um, and I think it's probably worth, let's spend some time in this space. I think, mm-hmm. I think this movie and uh, everyone involved has earned it. So this is based on an original story by John Sayles, which was titled Night Skies. Yep. 
Now, John Sayles, a very prolific uh, writer, director, actor, writer and director of Eight Men Out about uh-huh. the Chicago White Sox scandal. Also a movie called Lone Star that starred Chris Christopherson. Yeah. It's like a Texas lawman. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wrote a, a movie from, I think, 1980, Alligator, which I think was about the alligators in the sewers. Which is why there's a joke in this movie about the alligators in the sewers. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, oh, okay. that's what Michael says it to, to uh, Elliot at one point. Like, uh, Also wrote The Howling, The Clan oh. of the Cave Bear. The second one. Which one? Oh, wait. No, I'm no. sorry. The Howling 2 is something similar to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, The Howling, comma. The Howling, comma, The Clan of the Cave Bear. Right? Clan of the Cave Bear? Daryl Hannah. Oh. So, it was a movie that, if I remember correctly, that was a, a book by, I believe, an author, Jane All, A-U-E-L, which I could be misremembering. Um, but, uh, yeah... It was like one of those. Daryl Hannah was. It was her like serious acting movie. Gotcha. After she had done like like uh, it must have been Splash. Splash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jane. Yeah. Jane All wrote this novel, The Clan of the Cave Bear, in 1980. So he adapted that uh, for the screen. Uh, he also has uncredited rewrite of Apollo 13. Oh God. And co-writer of Spiderwick, the Spiderwick Chronicles. Oh. So he writes this story, Night Skies, uh, and gives that to Steven Spielberg. That becomes the basis of this screenplay. Mm-hmm. So it's written by Melissa Matheson, who yeah. previously wrote The Black Stallion. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this, she wrote The Indian in the Cupboard. Her last work was The BFG. Which was uh, released post uh, yep. her death, yeah. Yep. Um, and, and she had other stuff as well. She's nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for E.T. This is directed by a little niche um, indie <laughs> director by the name of Steven Spielberg. So, <clears throat> yeah, making the joke, but he had done, by this point, Jaws, Close Encounters, obviously Sugarland Express, but, like, his big movies. Yeah, let, let's see. It's not uh, like his third good... or fourth big thing. Yeah, 75 Jaws, 77 Close Encounters, 79 was 1941. I'm sorry, I don't know what that movie is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Spielberg says the exact same thing. Right. 1981 Raiders of Lost Ark. Oh, that's right. Raiders was because he was writing the script for this while doing Raiders or, or yeah. doing script uh, supervision. Sales gave him the story of Night Skies when they were doing Raiders. That's what it was. And then yeah. Matheson gave it to him near the end and like was not going to make another movie, but he loved the script so much. Like, oh my God, this is, we have to make this movie like right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Melissa Matheson nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, the this movie is nominated for nine awards. It wins four of those. Yeah. So it wins the Academy Award for best sound, best visual effects, best sound effects editing, and best music original score. Of course, by the amazing John Williams. <sighs> Which when that mo- when that when the notes play, when, yeah. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, th- the other five that it was nominated but didn't win. We mentioned Melissa Matheson uh-huh. also picks up uh, nominations for Best Editing, Best Cinematography, Best Director for Spielberg, mm-hmm. and Best Picture. And what uh, won that year, Todd? Oh, oh don't that, look. Do don't look, because I know. Okay. 1980. So that would be the 83 Oscars? Yep. Fucking Gandhi. Oh, yeah. Which some Academy members have come back and be like, we chose the wrong movie. And nothing against Gandhi. Gandhi's a great man, and he was a great, you know, humanitarian. Yeah, the movie is okay. 
<laughs> his uh, his history thing has been whitewashed a little. Uh, whitewashed. Sorry, not in, not in terms of like race. In terms of maybe painting over some of the uh, well, well, some of the moral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He but, he apparently was famous for testing his his uh, vow of chastity by sleeping with young girls while he was married as a oh, way of no. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I take back everything I said about Gandhi. Well, you, you know, I think he rightly deserves a credit for the nonviolent resistance against the British Empire. But yeah, sure. he, he was, I, I don't think he was the benevolent saint that. Boy, this also, really, the, the this movie Gandhi is completely ruined for me by when Gandhi, played by Ben Kingsley, is shot at the end and he says, yeah. Oh, God. I'm like, I'm sorry. Did the Hindu believing man just say, oh, God, talk about fucking whitewashing this thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just it. And maybe it's just me. It just rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, and Ben Kingsley gives a great performance. But ask me how many times I've watched Gandhi. Probably the same number of times I've watched it once. Once. Yeah. Yep. I've yeah. watched it. I've watched E.T. easily three dozen times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, is this going to be the movie that's closest to our year of birth? Because uh, For we, what, you. Well, for you, yeah, that's what I mean. Your pick, uh, Secret oh. of Him, is what, 86? Oh. oh, good question. We can talk about it because uh, if you've the, listened to Zoom, and you already know. Yeah. Uh, actually, same year, 82, Secret of Him. Wow. Secret of Him is 82 also? Yeah, yeah, The yeah. poor turkey you, fell down. Yeah. In all honesty, Secret of Nim is a huge movie for me in my childhood. Um, I, I will say I was 11. Y- yeah, it, it, in all honesty, probably there's a movie that happens closer to my, you know, younger for me, uh-huh. um, which was the original Star Wars. But uh, you and I talked. We did not want to do a Star Wars episode. There's nothing we're going to add to that discussion. Yeah, two cisgender white dudes talking about uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Throw a stone, you'll hit another podcast that does that. Exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah, so that's an interesting point. So you were one when this movie comes out. Uh, So did did you catch it? 82. But I meant, like, what month? Oh, hold on. Um, Because I may not even, if it came out, I I, want to say this was, like, a March. So... It was released at Cannes in May of '82, and then in the United States in June of '82. Oh no, yeah, I was I was 14 months old. Okay, in '85 and 2002, it got re-releases. Right for the 20th for 2002. Yeah, uh, but in the '85, I remember that it was only three years later. But you know, we went back and saw it again. Like we saw it which in '82 and then saw it again. Only, I mean, this has the longest running box office. It ran for of oh, 13 months. Oh, I didn't see 14 that. Fact, months, really? something like that. Yeah, it still holds the record. Because this, oh this is back when movies would sit in the theater for a couple months. Yeah. But this was so popular, it was in the theaters for like over a year. I know it's over a year. I don't know if it's 13, 14 months, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things we typically talk about budget uh, is is of note. So in nineteen eighty two, this had a budget of ten and a half million dollars. Poof. Now. The factor from ninety from eighty two to twenty twenty one, it's about a, it's a two point eight three multiplic uh-huh. uh, multiplica- multiplicative factor. Um, so a dollar in eighty two is worth two dollars and eighty three cents in twenty twenty one. Okay. So that ten and a half million dollar budget becomes a thirty million dollar budget, which is it's not huge. And if you consider that uh, 
was it one percent? So one point four million dollars went into, or one point oh four million dollars went into ET himself, like the puppet. Really? Yeah, with a no million kidding. dollar puppet. Wow! 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 Oh, so that's ten? No, that's ten percent of the budget. Oh, I'm sorry. 10%. A million, a million out You're of right. the 10.5. Yeah. It's like 10 percent. Excuse wow. me, 10 percent. Yeah, wow. he because of the way they did it. Most movies with puppetry, wires would be hanging out. You'd see everything, sure, sure. and you'd see the puppeteers. Drew Barrymore, Henry Thomas, and Robert McNaughton never met the puppeteers during the filming. Come on, seriously? And all the wires were put in a way that when ET had to be puppeteered. He yeah. was built into the into the set, and the set was raised, and all the wires went out, so that when they interacted with him, for the it most was, part, except for one ad lib that made it into the movie, they never saw the wires. One of the three of them sees the wires, and it's an adorable ad lib. Uh, okay, well, I can't wait to hear that. So, uh, the ten and a half million dollar budget now in today's equivalents thirty million. Yeah, now, the wow. original box office release was six hundred and nineteen million dollars in twenty twenty one dollars. That would be the equivalent. Of $1.75 billion. <laughs> now, eventually, so it's 619 in the original release. With those other two releases in 85 and 2002, it'll amass a total of $792 million at the box office. I did not convert that because you had dollars over three different time periods. And mm-hmm. it, frankly, just I didn't feel like it. It was math. exhausting. So, and yeah, it's exactly. going to go, hey, listen, it's going to go up again. What's next year? Next year's the 40th oh, the anniversary. 30th. 40th. Or 40. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. They'll fucking release Holy this again cow. in the theaters. Sure. And guess who's going to be there? <laughs> this fucking guy. Interesting you say that. The last thing I'll share in terms of the production uh-huh. is, and I took this out of the Wikipedia, and I think it's interesting. You and I talked as we were prepping. We've watched the original theatrical release. Oh, yes. Which is not surprising because. Um, the, at the 30th anniversary in 2012, the film was released on Blu-ray. Um, it were, was released at its 35th anniversary, 2017, on Ultra HD Blu-ray, as well as its corresponding digital releases. From that point on, only the original theatrical release has been uh, available. You know the why? 20th anniversary edition is now out of circulation. And please tell us why. I have it. Oh. I, I'm never going to get rid of it because sure. it's a piece of history for you? this exact reason. Did you see how much they spent on the 20th anniversary re-release with computer generated? I, I did not. A hundred thousand dollars. Oh wait, only a hundred thousand? That's actually nothing. All they had to do was uh, they added in the scenes that were already shot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say $100 million. I was envisioning like a a Snyder cut. (laughs) No, no, no. This is, uh, they did CGI enhancements on the E.T. puppet, mainly when E.T.'s running away from the hunters in the beginning. Instead of it just being clearly a a puppet on a dolly, he hops. He hops along, and you can see him hop. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. The other reason I hold on to it is because, like the special editions of Star Wars, much like my other favorite movie, Empire Strikes Back, all the enhancements that were done for Empire Strikes Back do not mm-hmm. bother me. But for seeing the Wampa writhing in pain with his arm cut off, I'm like, that's unnecessary. Yeah. But like adding all the uh, windows to Cloud City, he didn't really fuck around with that one that much. Not, yep. not as bad as he did with uh, 4 and 6. Yeah. Um, so with this, the only things that he did was he did some small CGI enhancements to the puppets. When 
Elliot and the other bikers are escaping. The federal agents' shotguns are replaced with walkie-talkies. I think that's a significant change. That's a big and change. I, and and then when they're running up on the van with the guns, they're walkie-talkies, and one of the guys goes, sure. "Don't shoot! They're only a kid." And it's it's that bad. You're just like, yeah, yeah, <sighs> okay, yeah, yeah. But then Spielberg stated he always regretted using some of the scenes in the first place, and that he would remove it if he ever reissued the film. However, in 2011, he changed his mind again, stating that there would be no more digital alterations to this movie, urging people to watch E.T. in its original, unaltered 1982 version. The Blu-ray and UHD editions were later released to contain only the theatrical versions, and the 20th anniversary DVD has since gone out of circulation. He says, that's the version that I like better. So, having a director go back on... Their George Lucasing of their movie is uh, <laughs> that's pretty spectacular that he did that. Yeah, and I think it's the right call. And you know, sometimes we'll pick up themes that we'll talk about. I've got a number of themes I'm much more interested in getting your thoughts on than I am the plot points. I mean, we can certainly t- talk through that. But um, oh yeah, th- th- you know, it's Spielberg. He's you know masterclass and. There's some really good stuff worth poking at, and especially the whole difference between the shotguns and radios. I think is a key change because I think it's it undermines a theme that is plays throughout the movie. So sure. we'll talk about that when we get into it. The other thing was the spaceship, instead of just having a pink light at the bottom, it had yep. like a almost like a warp drive type thing going sure, sure, circulating. Sure. I was like, oh okay. That I mean aside from the shotguns, all yeah. the changes don't make you go, huh, that's different. You know, it's little it, thing. Yeah, it's yeah. little little touches. So I I, I don't hate them. It is gilding the lily, though. Oh, you know sure. I mean? Absolutely. I, I, this movie holds up. This movie holds up hardcore. Yeah. Because it doesn't rely on, uh, but for the uh, speak and say, it yeah. does not rely on technology that hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, you want to hear some Omos casts? Yeah, I was hoping you had some. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? <clears throat> Corey Feldman was originally scheduled for a role in E.T., But over the course of the script rewrites, his part was eliminated. Oh, so he wasn't like in contention for Elliot. No, 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 no. Okay. Again, I mentioned this when we talked about it in Zoom. And we'll probably put a link in the notes. So go over there and watch Henry Thomas's audition. You see why he got the part. To the point where he finishes the audition and Spielberg goes, all right, kid, you got the part. Like, come on, seriously? Right there. Got the part on the spot. So this is his third acting credit. Yep. In 81, he was in a looks like a film Raggedy Man. Yep. In 81, he was also, oh, I remember this, The Steeler and the Pittsburgh Kid, a TV movie starring, I believe, was it Mean Joe Green or Frank O'Harris? It was one. It was one of the Steelers. Oh no, Jim, nope. Jim Neighbors? Jim Brinson. Okay. I don't know why. Oh, I was, I think I'm, you know what? I'm conflating. The Coca-Cola commercial? Yeah. Or was it with Pepsi? With Coca-Cola. That was Mean Joe Green. Right. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. Uh, Jim so Brinson, I think. Yeah. Spielberg felt bad about the decision and promised Feldman a part in his next planned project. Do you know what Steven Spielberg's next pr- planned project was? He didn't uh, direct it. Well, I know that in 83, Temple of Doom comes out, so it's not that one. Gremlins. <gasps> wow. Remember? He's like... The kid that hangs out with uh, yes college age Billy. Don't, this is uh, why. Don't look at that too. <laughs> right? Don't look. But at you know the, what? That's uh, that's what I always was like. Why the fuck is this kid hanging out with? Oh, because the director promised him a part. 
Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, Fellman also went on to play Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. He was also in uh, Lost Boys, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bo- uh, so both the Corys were in that. Weird thing with hanging out with... Uh, now, mm. let's not let's yep. not dig too deep let's in that. Not, let's not dwell on that one. Uh, yep. For the role of Gertie, mm. played by the wonderful, well, wonderful uh, Drew, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, and how old is she in this movie? Six, six, unbelievable! Just well, absolutely amazing. <laughs> one of her best scenes in the movie is uh, she is not acting at all, and I will point out when okay. we get to it. All uh, right, <clears throat> Juliette Lewis and Sarah Michelle Geller auditioned for Gertie. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. For the role of Tyler, played by former actor in a movie that we have done on this podcast, uh, C. Thomas Howell. Oh, right. He was he was somebody's dad, right? In uh, Sp- the Amazing Spider Man. The Amazing Spider Man. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was Ralph Macchio tried out for that. Oh, okay. Interesting. And originally, the role of Mary was first offered to Shelley Long. Wow. But okay. she'd already signed on to Night Shift and was forced to decline, which I say, oh, thank God. Yeah, Nothing against Shelly Long, but D. Wallace is fucking perfect. She's awesome, yeah. Oh, D. Wallace was also in The Howling, that sure movie was. that written directed by uh, John Sayles. And that's all I have for Almost Cast. I got a couple things. Oh, oh, the one last thing. I wish I should have shared with this with you before we watched it, but do you know that this movie was shot in chron- chronological order? No. Oh, that's so when the kids say goodbye to E.T. at the end, they're it's really the saying the goodbye. Oh, it's, that's, that's sweet. Genius that's that sweet. is Steven Spielberg. Quick little aside. Uh-huh. Do you know how many acting credits D. Wallace has? Who, who she, she's still alive, by the way. Yeah, she is. You know how many, you know how many acting credits she has on she's IMDb? In the 50s? Add 200. 256 acting credits. Her her first credit is uh, TV series Lucas Tanner. I've never heard of. Uh, in 1974, she had a, a a role there, and her most recent credit. She's got. Well, she's still working. Holy crap! She's Good got her. six items that are in either pre or post production. But she had a 2020. Uh, she had two credits in 2021. One in 911, the TV series, and then a film credit for the the Nest. 256 acting credits. Bravo. That's fucking hardcore. Holy shit. That's like Samuel L. Jackson level. Right? Oh, that 2021 credit for The Nest. She's the lead. She looks like she's the lead. And there's a still... She's born in... Let's see. She's born in 48. So that makes her 73. She looks looks phenomenal for 73. Holy cow. I saw some interviews with her uh, doing research for this. I'm like... You aged real well. She 100% did. Absolutely. Like Jennifer Anderson. Wow. Yes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I think that's uh, that leads us to rolling the film. Man, I love so how this beautiful. movie starts out as a horror movie. Yes. So my first set of notes. First of all, I see why this was nominated for cinematography. Boo, yeah. The, Right, like just, I don't really geek out over shots and stuff, but it's just so visually beautiful, yeah, right? It's so, um, so good. Oh, and I, you know, I, uh, I did not grab, who was the cinematographer? Probably worth a, a shout it's, out because. Um, he does a lot of stuff uh, with Spielberg, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I think he does. Alan Davio? Yes, Alan yeah, Davio. He did um, E.T., The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun. Yep. 
five Academy Award nominations and two BAFTAs. There's definitely the Spielberg touches. I mean, we've got coming up in a, a little bit of rack focus. So let, we'll, you know, we'll acknowledge, we'll do it now. Cinematography, beautiful throughout. Oh, yeah. You know, so great, like right into the action. We're in a forest. We've got a spaceship. We've got these silhouetted creatures, which we very quickly see, and they're very clearly alien, yeah. otherworldly. They're moving around the forest. They're bringing stuff into the ship. Yeah, that was one of the things Spielberg really wanted to hit home, that it didn't seem like it was just a guy in a suit. And I think yeah, they, they nailed yeah, yeah. it. Like, you forget that it's that there's someone in there doing that. It, it looks very natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that makes sense, alien and natural. But they're bringing things into the ship, and there's essentially like a like a guard, a greenhouse or hydroponics, mm-hmm. like an indoor forest. And I, my first note right there, like, what a difference Spielberg's aliens versus alien predator. Uh-huh. I mean, yes, there's the trappings of a space monster movie, but like he undercuts that even from the beginning, right? Like if you're paying attention, there's nothing frightening about the outside of their ship. There's nothing, it, you know, it's round, it's soothing, the lights are soothing. You get inside, there's nothing threatening about that. What a lot are, of fucking glowing mushrooms, though. I mean, yeah. Did well, you notice that? Like, yeah. So yes. ma- I'm like, okay, it was right. That was the big, like, ooh, thing in the 80s the mushrooms that glow. <laughs> but what a characteristic of Spielberg. And it, it made me think of oh, what's the one? Uh, was it J.J. Abrams' Super 8? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Abrams is totally it, a Spielberg it, wonderkin. I mean, but but I but I love this. Look at the first season of Stranger Things. Well, I'm, what I'm talking about specifically is this idea that the aliens, you know, oh, aren't oh, oh, oh. Fr- they're not bad guys, right? Like they're they may be gotcha. otherworldly, but they're they're they don't have to be feared. Um, even now, to your point, he's going to set this up like a monster movie. Um, even the the federal agents, right, are are like the bad guys until they're not. But this whole movie is such a great subversion. Okay, let's talk about Keys for a second, because he has no name. Keys. Peter, Peter, yeah. Peter Coyote. That's how he's credited, yeah. Yeah. Um, are they federal agents, or are they just... They clearly are. There's local police there, and it's clear that the men in suits are calling the shots. But he's just... I, I just What Peter Coyote wears throughout the film doesn't scream fed. To me, uh, well, they're in suits and they're driving those kind of boxy government sedans. Peter's not; Plus he's driving. A, he's driving a Bronco. Yeah, when we first see him, but later, as they're converging on the kids when they're trying to escape, it's all right. like the almost K cars, right? But those boxy sedans. I'm wondering if he's like an alien hunter and he gets the feds involved. No, no, no I don't think so. Uh, Do you think because they're all, he's in charge. Always involved. It, yeah, yeah. At the end, when when ET dies, it's clear that Keys is in charge because no, he's true. directing. Yeah, he's so, telling people to leave the room, yeah. In Spielberg's world, I mean, first of all, I love the universe that Spielberg constructs here and in so many of his other works, which is the world is a strange and wondrous place, but it's not a scary space. You know, it's not scary to you and me, but I remember when we showed this to the Bean, the forest was scary to her. The introduction of E.T. coming out of the shed, like the Bean was like, what are we watching? I'm like, just, and I'm that, like, oh. That's fair. And, you know, he, he, the whole movie is from the kid's point of view. I mean, the entire movie is shot at Elliot's level. Aside from D. Wallace, we don't see anybody's face until the end. Until Keys, yeah. When, well, when he first When the adult the world, 
is intervening into the kids' world, and the kids have to yes. do a little growing up now because of what's happening with E.T. I think that's a yeah, really cool theme that uh, Spielberg is showing us there. You're right. It's it's an adult view. It's a very child-friendly view of the world. The world is scary for kids because they don't know what it is. Yeah. But the underlying message is there is nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Those things that are unusual to you and are unknown can be scary, but they're not anything to be scared of. Oh, yeah. He, he doesn't hold on to the horror aspect of this movie for very long. There's a music cue that changes when when you realize that E.T. is not here to eat, Elliot, that makes you go, oh, we're now a different Spielberg movie. Yeah, and it's very fast. I mean, it's it's yeah. within the first 15 minutes. If even that, Elliot, yeah. If, yeah, right. I mean, um, but I love that subversion of expectations, right? You get me sure. thinking we're leaning in a direction, then all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 it's the other direction the whole time. Yeah. You talked about the adults. You're right. Until we see keys in that space suit when they yeah. converge on the house, that's the first time we see his face. He's the only adult face, as you point out, the only adult face other than mom that, that we, we see, see until that point. Until that Even point. the teacher. Even the teacher. Is, yeah. It's like a Peanuts cartoon. The adults are basically just legs and waists. Mm-hmm. I more equate it to Muppet Babies. Sure. Because you never saw Nana's face. It's that same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think there's this condemnation of the things that are scary, especially where the adults are involved. It's yeah. almost maybe the adult's fault. And I had this thought, and then later on, we see Mom reading Gertie a bedtime story. And, of course, it's Peter Pan, uh-huh. right? Which reinforced this idea, right? Like that adulthood is the real danger here. It's best when you're a child, right? Throw a stone at the filmography of of Steven Spielberg, and you're probably going to hit another movie that has this. This is what Spielberg uh, relishes in, and like even even Indiana Jones on a much mm-hmm. less extreme thing. Indiana, sh- uh, Henry, mm, I might, I might, yeah, yeah. I might push back on that should one. Should not be gallivanting across the globe, but he doesn't want to grow up. A lot of a uh, lot of a lot right. of Spielberg movies have to do with holding on to your youth as long as possible. Sure, sure. And that's what I love okay. about him. You know, that's what I, I mean. Aside I, the fact that he is just a phenomenal director that gets just such good performances out of his actors, his overall theme for a lot of his more personal movies, that's what it is. You know, you're not, you're not really getting that in like Jurassic Park. Well, I mean, I think that's the brilliance of Spielberg's. I think he has such a broad perspective of the world. It's almost like what lens is he seeing it through? So, you know, Jaws again, kept us out of the water, right? Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark is rightfully scary, right? Temple of Doom is, you know, even more beyond that. Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, right? Uh, Saving Private Ryan, War of the Worlds. You know, there's a part of him that gets that, yeah, the world is a dark and grim and dangerous place. But then, you know, he balances that. uh, The color purple, right? Might be one of the most horrific of... You probably got to put color purple up with uh, Schindler's Schindler's List, List, right? In terms of, like, the horror of of, of man... Yeah, But then, you know, he contrasts that with Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where, again, despite all of the buildup, there's nothing to fear at the end. Hook. I mean, Peter Pan. <laughs> Hello. Hook. He does yeah. Hook, right? Yeah, he does fucking Hook. By the way, the only reason I didn't contend uh, Close Encounters is one of the movies I thought of is because I wasn't I wasn't alive when it came out. You were so. alive, yeah. <laughs> We're doing Quantum Leap rules here. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's has to be within our own Only lifetime. Forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just last question on this theme um, yeah, sure. for me. Go for it. So, what is it about the keys? Because they are so prominent. Every time we see keys, it's the pant protector that the keys clip to with the leather underneath, so they're not like wearing away your pants. And it's not like two keys; it's a ring of keys. Is that like adulthood responsibility? I I hundred percent believe that's that. It's so that when he appears before we know he's a friend, this is his hook for, for Captain Hook. This is his machete if he's Jason in Hockey Mask. It's the thing that goes, uh-oh, that guy's back. It's to villainize him. Okay. To the point, like, when he's putting on the hazmat suit, the keys get stuck. So you're like, oh, no, it's keys. And then he gets in there with Elliot, and he's just like, hi, I'm a really kind and gentle guy, and I'm here. To, and you're like, oh, I had it wrong this whole time. I think that's what Spielberg's trying to set up is that he's giving him a marker to make us go, oh, he's the guy we got to watch out for. But then we don't. (laughs) Um, You know, it's interesting. The keys is he's Tommy Lee Jones. He he says he's been dreaming of this moment since he was 10, right? Or wishing for it. So He's, he's men in black if there was nothing to fear from the aliens. I have a question. Okay. Didn't E.T. come to visit Keys when he was a kid? Because there's a lot of internet speculation that he does to the point where they say when E.T. is dying and he looks over at Keys, his face makes a face of one who recognizes him. And they've said, they say oh. in the novelization, E.T. is uh, six million years old. So, uh, listen, I, so 30 I'm years good is with nothing for cannon. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But his dialogue is so closely ambiguous. He came to me. Elliot, he came to me too. I've been wishing for this since I was 10 years old. Did you have this adventure too? Waiting for him to come back? Yeah. It's really beautiful, yeah. The only problem with that headcan is that it... it. I'm assuming if if we're going with that, then Keys and E.T. had a psychic bond, and he had to leave again, and also... I don't know. That We can't pull too hard at that. that, that. He should have been less ominous. It, yeah, he, had, he should have been less yeah. ominous, and he should have known what to do to save E.T. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that works. I, yeah, so as we're talking through this, I don't think it works if Keys had met E.T. But if child. that's your headcanon, that's your headcanon. I'm not going to tell you your headcanon's uh, wrong. Unless it's the whole, like, he met him in a forest. Like, it was, like, the one, but he, did, he didn't stay. He didn't oh, develop he, that bond. Actually, Literally, like, one meet and gone and he grew up like knowing there's something there and i know they're there okay i know he's gonna come back i'll definitely take that yeah he clearly did not have the relationship that elliot had with no so last thing how does uh how do all the other uh ets i guess is the only way to say it how do they all uh get page back to the ship oh their heart the wasn't wasn't there a song from this their heart light that's exactly what it is except Neil Diamond get, didn't get permission and was sued by Amblin. <gasps> you're kidding. I associated that song with this movie. But you're right. It's not in the movie. No, it was made a couple of years later. I think it's like 84. Wow. But it's just kind of like, Neil, come on, buddy. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. That, I mean, it's a good song. It's a, it's a, if you uh, it's like a, Neil Diamond, wait, it's a good wait, 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 wait. 
It's a good Neil Diamond, Neil Diamond song. song. Fair. Okay, so uh, <laughs> hey, where do we end up next? Oh, great. <laughs> so you got an arrow right in your chest, and you're out 10 million. Oh, no. Don't worry about it, Mike. I got resurrection. I'll bring you back. I'm already one of the undead, Greg. I can still throw death spells, huh, Steve? It's the inspiration for Stranger Things. Clearly, that's an homage, <laughs> a love letter. The only question I had here is, where the fuck is the smoke coming from? There's smoke. Oh, in the... Oh, in the in is it from the game? D&D? Yeah. Oh, did, I can't. Oh, I did. I did not notice that. It's only in the center of the thing. It's like they're they're lighting incense. Roman, nobody's smoking. Maybe they got some dry ice. Listen, it, no, it's it's, know, it's, not, the, it's it's not bubbly. It's 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 smoke. It's like either incense or something. Maybe they're smoking. burning so, a candle. No, it's, it, oh. they would have had to blow it out. Oh, got it, got it. Um, listen, in the eighties, things were fast and loose. I had a chemistry set that was straight up dangerous. I sh- like. You would be shocked at oh, yeah. what would, yeah. Oh, I right? had one too. Oh, yeah. did you have one too? Yeah. Like, but, we totally could have been dead. Like, I'm there were, still There stunned. were chemicals in there that I was not allowed to touch without gloves on. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, and you're selling this to children. Got it. And I was never supervised with that. Nope. Me neither. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Good. How much fun is their D&D looking though, right? Like, their D&D can... looks great, except who's the dungeon master here? Is it, uh, is it, is it? It's not Mike. It's. It's the other um, kid. It's it gets. <laughs> not Tyler. Uh, it's not Tyler. It is. <laughs> it's not the kid who wears uh, the. It's it's Steve, the one who wears like the visor or sunglasses later. Yes. Oh right, because Elliot goes to him and says, "Steve, Steve, can I play now? Go away for the pizza first. Then I'm in. Yeah, you're in. Figure out your strategy because you're playing after Greg. Yes. If I was the dungeon master in this, I would <laughs> yeah. be so pissed because t- Michael's having a conversation with Elliot. Uh, Shut the uh, fuck Tommy's, up. Yeah. Tommy's ordering a fucking pizza, but then he orders the pizza, and then he tells Elliot, make sure there's no anchovies on it. And if I had been Elliot, I'd be like, did you order anchovies on him? Because yeah. that's not my job. Yeah. Just, yeah. He goes out, gets the pizza, and he hears a strange noise. And my note is, we are full on in a horror film at this point. Sure. What does he do? Goes inside and gets his brother's. And uh, and his friends. Nope. He investigates by himself. Elliot, if this was an actual slasher film, you'd be dead. Yep. Don't worry. He's safe. He took his baseball mitt and his baseball. Yeah. Also, why? <laughs> and also, put the pizza down on the ping pong table, child. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, goes back to the shed. Another theme that I think of, certainly in this movie, and I'll, and I'll bet we could go back to a few, to other Spielberg movies. Light is such a key theme here, right? Flash Spielberg loves so, loves his light. Yeah, loves light. The the I mean, it's I guess it's kind of a shed, but it's not really enclosed. It almost has like the like the the lattice mm-hmm. kind of sideboards, um, but just spilling light out into the yard. Mm-hmm. Every you know the 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 men who we'll see in a minute searching the forest. You know, it's the trope of the flashlights. You know, waving as they're running through the forest and stuff. Yeah. Light is such a such an element in this movie. Yeah, it totally is, and it is in a lot of uh, Spielberg movies, uh, especially light breaking through things like, like the lattice. lattice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So Elliot gets spooked, steps on the uh, pizza box, <laughs> runs inside. D. Wallace is there. One of the kids is it Tyler? Goes to touch. Wallace's ass while she's loading the dishwasher. Tyler, oh. what's your end game here? You're going to touch her ass and then you're going to be in trouble. 
It, the original MILF. Yeah. It's it's like uh the you know, she's a little bit older than Wendy Peppercorn. It's a bold <laughs> it's a bold strategy there, Tyler. So Elliot runs in, says he heard something outside. Of course the teenage boys are idiots. They run out there, they grab knives, and I just love Dee Wallace's uh exasperated single mom. Yeah. She's exhausted. That poor lady is exhausted. Now, we'll find out why in a bit. Yeah, we don't know exactly why. Uh, So they go out there. They don't hear anything, but they see these weird prints that, Michael, you're not a good tracker. Coyotes come back again, Mom. What coyote leaves a print like that? That's right. That's right. Michael sucks. But also, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's a little in joke because who was chasing ET to make him Peter end up Coyote. There, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, really yeah. think they wrote it that way. You uh, think so, so? So yeah, uh, mom mode kicks in. Everyone back inside. One of the kids calls another kid a douchebag, and I love D Wallace's. Don't douchebag talk in my house. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And also, um, they leave the pizza. They just just leave it in the. That's really going to attract the coyote if there's a coyote. Not not smart yeah. thinking there, people. That's that's true. That's true. Um, now, the family dog, who I think is named Harvey, if I remember correctly. Yes. Harvey, uh, he alerts to a sound from the outside. Elliot's in his room, kind of hears the same sound, goes out to investigate, looks into the cornfield, finds E.T. playing his day. And, and, you know, that's almost your cue from the start that it's not a monster movie because... You know, we saw E.T. at the beginning. We mm-hmm. see him now clearly. And to your point, it's it's not more than 10 or 15 minutes in. And, you you know, you see the monster clear as day this soon. He can't be the monster. Well, but and also both... his reaction of running away <laughs> screaming. It's, it's really Kind of makes really you go, funny. maybe he's on our side. Yeah, right? Uh, they both scream, scare each other. And now next day, Elliot is out on his bike in the forest. He's got the... Ubiquitous Reese's Pieces. Which we forgot to mention in yeah. the uh, pre-roll. Uh, hey, Eminem done fucked up. The Mars wow. Company were uh, brought in originally to be the candy that Elliot leaves for E.T. Yep. And they said, we're not interested in your little movie that's going to make half a billion dollars. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. Half a billion then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it turned out, and Hershey said, uh, "We've got, we've got something for you. We've got a uh, uh, okay uh, internet. Don't at me on this, but uh, a more delicious treat. Uh, I will eat a Reese's Pieces before I eat an M M&M. and M. Wow! Uh, All if, right, if there are both, if there are M and M's and Reese's, I'm fucking going for Reese's every okay. time. All right, I All love right. them so much to the point where Reese's released uh, a peanut butter spread. Yeah." Not as good because of that candy coating to it. I'm like, it's not as sweet. It's just <laughs> fucking peanut butter. Um, well, Elliot must uh, he must he must uh, fall in your camp because he's using the Reese's pieces, scattering them like he's Johnny Appleseed, going through the forest, tossing them far and wide. And who does he uh, see up there? Also, <gasps> um, keys. And there's a music change when he sees yeah. keys. It's like. And he he books right. He runs back to his bike and gets out of there, all while still you know wasting all those delicious delicious Reese's pieces. <laughs> That's right. Now back home, Elliot, Mike, and Gertie they're having dinner with Mom, whose name is Mary. They're discussing their Halloween costumes. They're teasing. 
Well, uh, Mike and Gertie, well, I'm sorry, speculating on what it was that Elliot saw. Um, Gertie's hilarious. Maybe it was an iguana. It was no iguana. Maybe a, uh, you know how they say there are uh, alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers. Uh, I do want to point out, uh, Elliot's. There's nothing like that, penis breath! Was an ad lib. <laughs> and and, and D. Wallace's reaction laughs. is 100% genuine. <laughs> Spielberg told him to say that there was something else scripted. I, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, and you know her reaction was supposed to be, you know, Elliot, sit down. But penis breath got her, and it's that's why he's in the movie. It's so fucking hilarious. You know, as parents, it's that great moment when your kid does something that you have to weigh in on, not acceptable, and yet you know is so fucking funny. And that is one hundred percent penis breath. I will. I will give uh, my. The first time that happened with the bean, I can't remember what we were trying to get her to do. And I told her, you can do this or you can do that. Those are your choices. And she goes, no, those are your choices. I have my... (laughs) You're you're laughing down the story now. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. But it was one of those, I have to turn away. How old was she? Uh, She was probably Gertie's age, probably six. Wow. Smart yeah, kid. I knew I, I knew I was in trouble. Yeah. Even back then, I'm like, oh, God. Oh. Give me one of those. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I think, one of the many things to gush about Spielberg is I, I love, I love how he, I feel like he doesn't oversimplify things. No. And I feel like this is a real family dynamic. So mom's scolding Elliot for penis breath while she's laughing because it's funny. And then... Just as quickly, Elliot responds with a really hurtful remark. Maybe you ought to call your father and tell him about it. I can't. He's in Mexico with Sally. So you said he was being mean. I think he was just stating a fact. I don't think he... I I mean, Michael chides him in a second for it, and I understand what he's going for, that Elliot wasn't thinking of his mom, but I don't think it was done in a malicious way. So the buildup in that scene, Elliot is increasingly frustrated by the fact that no one believes... He knows what he saw. It wasn't a coyote, right? It wasn't it, an it, alligator. It wasn't an alligator from the sewers, right? There's the, the that yep. was the reference. There it is. He knows what he saw. No one believes him. They're belittling him. Gertie's agreement with everything really just makes it worse. Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. I think he 100% was angry and and like lashed out. I think I think he knew it was going to hurt mom. I don't know. I think we're going to agree to disagree on this, which okay. is something in today's society is acceptable. Agreeing and disagreeing with science? Not, not, <laughs> not how this works. Not how this works. But in any event, intentional or not, it clearly hurts mom. If you ever see it again, whatever it is, don't touch it. Just call me and we'll have somebody come and take it away. Like the dog catcher? It sure does. I mean, to the point where when she goes to clear off her dishes, her last line before she leaves the room is... It's Mexico. Yeah, oh, it's heartbreaking, It right? really is. And, like, Mike Mike goes from big brother to father figure real quick in this scene. Yeah. Damn it, why don't you grow up? Think how other people feel for a change. It's only been a couple months that they've been separated, as uh, Mary will say to the police officer later. So... Mike really has stepped up his game. So, you know, I think Spielberg, well-known, right? Like, he comes from a really solid family. His parents, 
you know, were married. No, his were parents they divorced? divorced at the age that Elliot is. Oh, because I'm looking that is going, what this boy, this whole for- movie is about, oh, is about his parents' divorce. Oh, my gosh. Divorce. Okay. Okay. Never mind. How many good father figures are in uh, Steven Spielberg movies? That's what I couldn't figure out. Yeah. Steven that, Spielberg has um, some serious father issues that he's working through in his movies. Uh, are you sure? I'm looking, I'm looking through his... Todd, I watched an interview with Steven Spielberg today where he said... This movie is about his parents getting divorced. Do you want to keep looking? Okay. <laughs> no, well, in 1952, so when he's six, uh, they moved to New Jersey. His father's hired by RCA. 57, the Fe- family moves to Phoenix. Holocaust. Um, so I'm surprised it's not in his early life and background. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's not, not now. Full disclosure, I'm using the wiki because it's usually a good aggregator of, of sources. I don't see anything in there about his parents' divorce. Let me see if I can find divorce on the page. Uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, here it is. Summer of 64, he worked as an unpaid assistant at Universal Studios' editorial department. His family later moved to Saratoga, California. He graduated in 65 from high school. A year later, his parents divorced. Got it. Spielberg moved to Los Angeles to stay with his father. All his three sisters and mother remained in Saratoga. Yep. Interesting. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. My uh, clear. So I, that's makes a lot of sense. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Right. right? It, it seemed really personal. Yeah. Spielberg has said this is his most personal film. Oh man. To date, and it. How just, does this movie get a seven point eight? I don't. People understand. are heartless assholes. That's out. Okay. There's another rating that we'll talk about at the end that uh, I think will make us both feel better. So, <laughs> so let's get to the Spielberg gold of this movie. Yes. Elliot and ET's first scene in oh. his room. Oh my god! Everything in this. It's, it's the Elliot. What does he first do? Uh, I. It's. I, hang on. I've he got does it. one thing and ET mimics it, and then he. Touches his nose and ET mimics it, and then he blinks real hard, and it's just yeah. oh, everything about this. I just I gobble and it then up. He, it's so good. And then Spielberg goes through a whole variety of Easter eggs of the things he loves. That's the next day. Oh, that's the next day. Yeah, yep. this I'm is sorry. the first night. This the first, first time. Night. Yeah, okay, yep. Okay, yep. We can't skip something before we get to that. <laughs> okay, uh, but <laughs> in his room, how great are kids? So I know that Spielberg's father was an engineer. Uh-huh. You know, I've seen some of the bits about him helping Spielberg create like the effects of artillery and stuff. Like like he clearly For his was home like movies, yeah. Yeah, you can do this stuff. His like workbench, his desk in his room is this wonderful eclectic collection of all kinds of stuff. In my mind, it's an almost idealized childhood. Like if that really existed, I'm so jealous. Okay, you're hot. Elliot decides he's going to stay home from school by faking. A Ferris Bueller. I completely forgot he used the uh, heat pack on his face, too. Like, <laughs> you're you're in dangerous territory doing those two things. If you feel too hot, it's doctor time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a, it's, a, it's a fine line you're walking there, buddy. But, it, but he clearly navigates it. I also think that's not the first time he's done that. Sure. It feels very natural. He's like, I've got my routine. I can hold it here for so long. Does it? Does he hold the thermometer up to the lamp? To the, oh yeah, to the to, to the, the bulb. Yeah, light bulb. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, while that's going on, Mike is uh, tasked with uh, backing the car out, oh. which he does horribly. Horribly. Yeah. <laughs> he crunches it into the wall. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh no, Mike, you are grounded forever. But you know what? The good news is, so that's not a new, it's not a brand new car. So no, it's a but 70s it's still era. a fucking Audi. But yeah, but you know what though? But it was that era of cars, like, yeah, it was fine. Rub a little dirt off it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, true. they were, you know, steel construction. It was fine. Yeah, and I love when he's supposed to bring it right to the end of the driveway. He goes out, comes back in, and his uh, Mary's bringing Gertie out. Mommy, and Mary's just like, oh, my God, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. That's right. Uh, That's right. She says, I see him, Gert, and when I catch him, I'll catch him. It's just such a mom phrase. So now left home alone with the most 80s of lines in the whole movie. No TV. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's no, right. How are you going to enforce this, Mary? You didn't think this. Take the remote with you. She's she's holding on to control of that household through sheer force of will. I just love it. No TV. Yeah. Come on. No TV. Uh, so here's our little montage, or not montage, but little uh, series of cameos sprinkled in. Uh, we see a number of Star Wars toys, including basically... All the guys from the cantina. With one of them having the wrong name. Hammerhead? Hammerhead has a different name now. He has an actual Star Warsian name. Now he has a name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, everyone. It's Casey from the Editing Bay. I was actually thinking of Walrus Man, who gets mentioned in this scene, too. And his real name is Panda Baba. You're welcome, nerds. And he has a fucking Boba Fett. And I'm like, uh, Elliot, don't play with that too much. That thing is worth... A lot of money. We had a Boba Fett, but not the one that launched. It was oh, almost impossible to get. Right. It, they did. They did the they mail launched in initially, first. and yes. then they they quickly said, uh, "We can't do this." So it had the rocket, but it didn't do anything. It didn't. It didn't even release. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, that's right. I um, forgot about the second part of that. So we got the Star Wars figures. Then he has a Lando Calrissian. Lando Keller isn't, right? That's uh, awesome. He, he plunges into the fish bowl a shark toy. Do you think that John Williams had to be like, don't do it, don't uh, do it, don't I, go? Technically, Spielberg's not Star Wars. But Lucas is his best friend. Yeah, I'm like, they're blood brothers. I mean, basically. Yeah. Um, the shark toy. Then toy cars, which... Hadn't Spielberg done Duel? At yeah, this point? Duel was his very first movie, and that was a TV okay. movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, or uh, wait, did Spielberg do American Graffiti? No, that was that's George Lucas. George that's Lucas. Lucas. So yeah. it's it's. I think it's another little uh, <laughs> making fun of Lucas. <laughs> I love everything about this day home, but yeah. there's something that is cut. <gasps> Tell me. It is the most fucking delightful scene. They go into Mary's bathroom. They weigh E.T. Do you want to take a guess how much you think E.T. weighs? Uh, If he has a normal density, I would say he's 50 pounds. He weighs 35 pounds. Okay. All right. And and Elliot goes, 35 pounds? You're so fat. But he's only like two feet tall, so I guess that. Yeah. And then he tries to do that. He then, they walk over to Mary and goes, How tall you are? I'm 4'6". You must be around E.T. stretches his neck out for the first time, which I'm like, that's oh, that's awesome. why Elliot later when he does it isn't like, what the hell? Because he it, has that it, what it. the hell moment then. He shows him the bathtub. Mary calls to check on Elliot. Elliot stupidly opens up the door to the bedroom and Harvey tries to get in. Yep. And then just the best. Okay, bye. I'm going to throw up on the phone if you don't let me go. Mom, I've got to throw up now. Yeah, uh, Takes the coke that he has. <coughs> a- 
and then pours it on the the receiver. Meanwhile, E.T. falls into the tub. (laughs) Elliot goes in there to save him, pops him up. And he pops back down. He's like jiggling around. So I'm wondering if later when Michael finds him, if water is something that can help him because he's by Mm. the stream. Um, but that's that's oh. the first deleted scene. That's okay. that's pretty much okay. it, and it ends with Ellie being like, "Is this your idea of a good time?" Interesting. I love it so much. Mike gets home later. Elliot tells Mike <laughs> that the goblin came back. He came back. He came back. Oh my god! He swears Mike to secrecy. Uh, uh, he swears we, him to the most excellent promise you can make. And Mike, of course, like patronizing him. He's like, yeah, sure. Launches into a Yoda impression. I have absolute, have absolute power. Yes. <sighs> okay, Which here's where I'm going to ask. Okay. We've got the Star Wars figures. Yep. We've got the Yoda impression yep. by Mike. During Halloween, E.T. Yep. recognizes We're the third one, sure. Yoda. And then the E.T.'s are in the Phantom Menace. Yeah. So what are we doing here? A galaxy, a, a, you know, long time ago, and, a gal- and he's six million far, years old. Far away, so. and he's six million years. Yeah, maybe he's. Was he? So are, are they trying to posit that the ETs we see at the Imperial Senate is the ET that ends up on our planet? What if he just knows their people? Like, oh, those are the the Yodas. Because we don't the know Yodas. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know. What to go. Yeah, those are the Yodas. Like, oh, there's a familiar face, right? Like. Yeah. I love how freaked out that kid is. He's like, why are you walking toward him on yeah. this happening? When he says the goblin came back and Mike does a, he came back? He came back. That's something Steven Spielberg used to do to his younger sisters. Come on, seriously? The hand oh. grabby thing, yeah. which I have tried to master over the years and cannot do it as well as Michael does. <laughs> it's really good. It like literally looks like it's someone else's hand that takes yeah. uh, it away. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, of course, they meet E.T., Gertie comes in, everyone screams, mom hears the commotion, of course, goes investigate like moms do, Mike, Gertie, and E.T. are all hiding in the closet, mom leaves. Oh, wait, when Gertie runs into the closet, screams, Mike grabs her and brings her back, and then it's just E.T. running through going, with his arms up. I'm never not going to laugh at that moment. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just... Beautiful, beautifully shot. And in a moment, we have forged a team, right? So all the kids are united. They get E.T., they get it, they're on his side, um, they're going to take care of him. Gertie asks, You can't tell. Not even Mom. Why not? Because um, grown-ups can't see him. Only little kids can see him. Give me a break. Ad-lib by Was it really? Bear. Yes. Oh, Brilliant. Um, you know, you said something earlier, and now I'm seeing it. You're right. We were talking about Stranger Things. I was talking about how there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, certainly the doppelganger or the mind flayer uh, undercuts that. However, this is the exact same dynamic when the gang in Stranger Things is hiding Eleven, oh, yeah. who's a girl, but Eleven is the equivalent of E.T. That that totally rings true. Holy cow. The kids in season one, up until when they all converge at the end of season one, are in a Steven Spielberg movie. Sure, sure. The teenagers are in a, in a I, uh, John Carpenter movie. Or, uh, sorry, a yeah. Wes Craven movie. And the adults are in a John Carpenter movie. It, sure. And then it sure. all just mashes together beautifully by the end of season one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 
Uh, what are the the what are the, the brothers from Stranger Things? Duffer the brothers. Duffer brothers. Clearly lovers of this, movie. and they don't hide it. They say, yeah. yeah. I mean, when they're escaping the government agents in season one. There's literally the moment where Eleven's riding on the front of Mike's bike and the van's coming at them and you're like, oh, they're going to fly. And then she just flips the van over. Flips the van, right. Well, that's a little different than what E.T. does. Okay. The Stranger Things is E.T. if there is really something to be afraid of in the world. Yes. You know, that's the difference. The kids in Stranger Things are rightfully afraid because there is danger. Sure. I guess my question is when Mike has Gertie's dolly holding mm-hmm. her over the the lamp. Yeah. All that action is shown through the reaction that E.T. is having to it. And I wonder, I, I just, I can't figure out what Spielberg's going for there. I think it's the same thing that later when Elliot's at school and E.T.'s watching cartoons mm-hmm. and he sees like the cartoon violence, he's horrified by it. I love the eye cut that he does during one of them that, that he's looking down at the stuff and he just looks up like, what is this shit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's, you know, certainly in this movie, the monsters are the people, right? Like, oh, they're yeah. The, yeah. You know? Yeah. So we talked about the wonderful cinematographer. Sure. Uh, the next shot is an establishing shot of, I'm guessing this is Lake Tahoe area in California. It's clearly California. But it's, but it's deserty. Is yeah, it, is Lake that Tahoe? area? Yeah. It oh, can I didn't be. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Parts of it can be, yeah. But, you know, they also grow fucking corn in the back of their house at Elliot's house. Uh, so the Wikipedia page, and again, oh, you know, boy. take that Here for what's again. says that this is in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, where's Lake Tahoe? Not in San Fernando Valley. It's an mm. urbanized valley in Los Angeles County. Okay. Located just north of the Los Angeles Basin. Okay, so we're in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, clearly during a, a boom period, right? They're biking later through these half-finished neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's an amazing rack dolly zoom over the town right before the camera pops in that's yeah, taking yeah, the pictures. Yeah. And the Geiger meter, which is never... Never pays off. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, every t- that's how they find where ET is. Oh, is that what's in the van? Is there? Yeah, they're scanning, and you hear the Geiger meter going off. Oh, I'm like, is okay. ET radioactive? It should not be. No okay. wonder Elliot's dying. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. When we go back to the kids, did you catch? And I don't know if this is the dad has left. Mom is doing her best to hold the family together, but it's slowly breaking apart. You know. Elliot's mean line to her. Gertie calls Mar- calls mom Mary. Michael you hear does that? too later, yes. When Michael goes to get Mary when E.T. and Elliot are dying on the bathroom floor. Mom, would you come with me? What is it? Mary, just come with me. Is this like a crunchy granola yeah. 80s? Hey, you can call you me. You know, jo- Joseph is doing that to me now. <laughs> He'll be like, okay, Todd. And I'll be like, it's dad. Yep, um, Devine has done it a couple of times to me too. But Gertie wouldn't do that unless she's just copying what she's heard. I think Mike that's what do. it is. Okay, all right. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm going to play in Elliot's room. Okay, don't let him torture you. I won't, Mary. <laughs> I think this is clearly establishing, and if this is Spielberg's divorced parents, this makes a lot of sense. The yeah. family is breaking down. Yeah, 100%. Okay. All right. That, that's good. I love this scene where the kids are in Elliot's room. I think they start with a globe to kind of orient where they are, trying to figure out where 
ET is from, mm-hmm. and, he's, and he's like basically points away from the globe, like no, 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 no. Um, doesn't uh, work in this frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah, switches to an encyclopedia with a picture of the solar system. He's got balls of clay that ET then levitates. So is ET force sensitive? Listen, if it's in the Star it Wars, ta- it takes place in the Star universe, Wars universe. He's got Metaclorians going on. Sure, sure, off the off the scale. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we get a an early Chekhov's flowers. Mike notices that these flowers next to, or no, that's not what Mike doesn't notice. That we notice flowers bloom next to ET. Is this where Gertie mentions that she doesn't like his feet? I don't like his feet. Only feet, you little twerp. That was Drew Barrymore talking about the wires. No kidding. That's wild. Just her looking down. But that works. It works. It works. We know it's they're beautiful. weird. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so it's so good. Commander, where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. And you're no longer a captain, you're a commander. Commander. Dear God! Are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh no, I don't. I don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem uh, to have no rank. Only the title of doctor. I don't think there are admirals either. Captain. I mean, commander. I mean, look, Casey. We are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest. Then there's no moment to spare. Engage. I, I I don't think um, Night Shift Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just oh. dial that back there. So. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom! Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest roleplaying game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters, execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. 
We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you. Remember during Spider-Man when we chided the bus driver for Peter Parker? Yes. This bus that driver bus drive- is worse. <laughs> she pulls right up on this group of kids that are just hanging out there. I'm like, the fuck, person? Come on. When were, let's see, when were seat belts Seatbelts required? Uh, were, they were I- not. They were not required. Uh, Nineteen eighty. Oh no, that's when they became uh, on buses. No, no, I'm just thinking. Okay, in 1968, the the seatbelts were mandatory equipment. Okay, I mean, like it's a different time. In '82, there was no state in the country that required them to be worn. We never wore them growing up. No, uh, it was just a different time. Yeah, listen, she's not hitting the kids. Oh, oh, she's no, no, stopping. No. Yeah, but still, I was like, you're getting <laughs> awful close, and then just. The mass hysteria on the bus. Well, while once Michael's again, just sitting there, I'm like, what the hell? Reinforcing my belief that there is no darker place in the universe, uh, no more wicked center than the back of a school bus. <laughs> it is a wretched hive of scum and villainy. I'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> okay, boys and girls, today we will be doing the actual frog dissection. So in school, we see that Elliot and E.T. have this psychic bond. Oh, drunk E.T. is just delightful. Uh, he gets into the co- cores, not Coors Light, Coors. Coors. Banquet. Banquet, right? baby. That's right. Um, uh, do you know how they did this uh, waddling E.T.? No. It's a boy who was born with no legs, who walks on his hands. No kidding. Yep. On the special features, you can see it. He's waddling, waddling. And then you hear Spielberg be like, okay, a little more forward and fall. (laughs) 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 And the whole Kurt just loses it. It's Uh, when he falls over, it's so funny because it's just, there's no, you know, electronics they have to worry about or anything. And the kid's padded as hell in there. So he just takes that fall beautifully. Oh, that's, that's great. Did you recognize the girl who had a crush on Elliot? Not until I saw her in the IMDb listing. Erica Eliniak, yeah. Yes, hello. Yes. I'll see you again in Under Siege. See, unfortunately, more of her. Yeah, we got two Uh, Playboy people in this movie. We got her and uh, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, yeah. Who, as everyone knows, uh, when she did appear nude in Playboy, Steven Spielberg sent her a copy of Playboy in which she'd had... Reversed it. She sent it to him. No, no, I thought it was the other way around. He was upset about it. She felt bad, so sent him oh. one that was covered. Oh. I believe that's how the story goes. Don't ruin this. It's much more adorable that way. Okay. Because I want it to be that Steven didn't look at the pictures <laughs> at all. Because just that. So... No, it, no. I'm, I'm sorry. You are when right. When Barrymore okay. was 19, she posed nude for the January 95 issue of Playboy. Director Steven Spielberg, who is also her godfather... Gave her a quilt for her 20th birthday with a note that read, cover yourself up. Enclosed (laughs) were copies of her Playboy pictures. The pictures had been altered by his art department so that she appeared fully clothed. Okay, that's not, that's kind of creepy. No. 
No, that's a great story. That's what right. a godfather does. That's, okay, that's fair. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, you find out that the psychic bond apparently transfers alcohol. It f- transfers the effects of intoxication, certainly. But and how- uh, Henry Thomas plays drunk really well. <laughs> but he leaves that school like a fucking boss, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Steps on a fallen classmate to kiss the girl and runs out. And in a deleted scene that has never seen the light of day, ends up in the principal's office, and that principal is played by Harrison Ford. Come on, seriously? You can't go letting out frogs in my... (laughs) That's my Harrison Ford. That's awesome. Hold on one second. Hello? Hello? Oh, I I thought somebody was knocking. All right. Listen, oh, if the pod is a casting, don't come a knocking. Didn't wasn't Harrison Ford married? We're gonna just to, skip over that. That was on the fly joke I made. Sorry, up. that's very good. Uh, Melissa Matheson wasn't she married to Harrison Ford? Yes, that's why he was in this movie. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, Melissa Matheson is uh, was the school nurse in this movie in another deleted scene, and is also no the, kidding. the voice of uh, Elliot's vitals are coming back. We're losing ET. What? That is Melissa Matheson. Oh, very cool. So he goes home. I love his reaction to finding Gertie has dressed up E.T. Just Oh God! Stop playing with my friend. She played dress up. It's beautiful. And then even more beautiful, his reaction to E.T. just Can you say E.T. 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 <laughs> Interesting, you know, I didn't catch this. I had to rewind it a couple times to make sure I, I got it right. He first eat et uh, first that's where says, I was going next. Yeah. Okay. Go, go ahead. He says, "Et This is one of the like Luke. I am your father. This is a misquoted line. Well, he says "Et home phone," but then he says after Gertie and and Elliot oh, okay. say sure, it. Sure, sure. Et then he phone says home. it the correct way gotcha, because yeah, it's yeah. given to him that way. Et home phone. That is the way it is given to him. So. Yeah, building a language. Oh, that's how I say it. Sure, sure. They correct the order, and they, uh-huh. yep. yeah. Um, we've got the very ominous government van. Well, uh, yeah, the very ominous van cruising the neighborhood with the guy in the back with all the monitoring equipment. This one is a little bit of hand wavy. I thought he was like monitoring for like radio transmissions, but he's clearly he's, just spy. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and which, there's no such thing. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, he's just picking up the audio of Mike and Elliot in the garage talking. Not a thing. But now, if the garage okay. door was open, then you can use one of parabolic those sports. Parabolic mics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank sure. you, parabolic mics. Sure, but I believe the garage door is closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in this scene, what does Mike say? Uh, didn't note that. He doesn't look too good anymore. Don't say that. We're fine. Oh, right, right. Which also, I'm like, Mike, you've known E.T. a day. You really got to know him that well. To, but it's it's simply there to move the illness between the two of them forward. Oh, and you know what's interesting? So that happens. They're clearly grabbing electronics and radio parts. The man outside in the van hears them. This is where we've got... Uh, mom reading Peter Pan to Gertie hmm. as E.T. is listening from the closet. The van is sitting outside their home, and then we see E.T. assembling the electronics, but then we we see this flowers are starting to wilt. So uh-huh. we're getting it. You know, I guess it's it's you're we're getting a variety of ways to tell us that things are not you know, so need great to, for need to move along. Yeah, the device that E.T. makes is an actual working device. No kidding. No, I don't know if it shot out beams to space but it was a transmitter 
No kidding. That's why there are the little circles on it. It re- really did something. It wasn't just a bunch of shit they put together. Oh, very cool. Yeah, very cool. I thought that was cool. Now it's Halloween. The kids are getting ready to dress up <laughs> and go out. They throw a sheet over E.T. Oh, that Ryan. was the other thing that was changed. What's that? In the special edition, Mary does not say to Michael, you're not going out as a terrorist. No, I mean it. You are not going as a hippie. All the guys are. So apparently it's okay for him to go out as a vagrant with a knife through his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I I think we can blame E.T. for <laughs> the mass wave of um, fear struck by those poor, unfortunate members of House Hufflepuff. I'm afraid of ghosts and sheets with holes in them and regular sheets. I do love when they're collecting all the stuff, Elliot uh, cuts his finger on the uh, saw and uh, he heals it, and then here E.T. sees the uh, knife through Michael's head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he reaches for it. Out, It's a fake knife. Fake. Out. Okay. Uh, E.T. wavers between incredibly intelligent and a giant dum dum, and I love sure. it. I love yeah, it yeah. so much. <laughs> everything is foreign to him, right? Like nothing in our world makes sense. Everything no is literal. Concert. Oh, yeah. the knives hurt you. You've got one in your head. Let me help you. Let me help you. Yeah, yeah. So the kids have basically tricked mom into thinking that E.T. is Gertie under a under a sheet. Gertie, come here. Come on. Open question. Later on, you know, as it's dusk, they've met up outside the neighborhood, but they meet up with Gertie. So did Gertie, I mean, now I will say there was a time where kids by themselves had lots of free reign. We did. Uh, But boy, they're kind of far away from their neighborhood. Did Gertie go there by herself? No, Gertie met Michael down the road. It's real quick in the dialogue. And then this is the other deleted scene. After Mary puts out the lights... Yep. She decides she, to go look for them, and I yep. really wish it was in the film because it's some of the cutest stuff that Drew does in the movie because she finally finds them. She pulls out. Where's Elliot? I'm asking you a question. Gertie clearly has been given lines of dialogue. Anyways, why would Elliot go to the forest? Why would he do such a thing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so sweet. Kid, she hit her mark and knew her lines, right? But like, like in universe, that was what Gertie was supposed to say. Sure, sure, like, sure, sure. Not Drew screwed up. Like, yeah, yeah. If anyone asks, just be like, you know, and that's the one that oh. she could remember. It's just so oh, fucking so hilarious. And then Mary's just like, get in the car. <laughs> get in the car now. Like through a big smile, but she's like, I'm gonna murder you when we get home. Yeah. I think the reason that Spielberg initially cut it is like. Mary's like, be home uh, an hour after dusk, all this stuff. So obviously it's much later. I think it's like 1030 when she looks at the clock to try and find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like kids are toilet papering houses and throwing like Molokov cocktails. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm glad that's not in the movie. But I wish the scene of just because uh, Drew's just... Anyways, why would Elliot go to even go to the forest? <laughs> <laughs> um, so at this point, Elliot and E.T. alone are in the forest. Elliot gets E.T. on his bike, and we get the... Is this the first time we hear the theme? The full theme, The full yes. theme, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, We the iconic shot of them flying the bike across the moon. It's... 
It holds up. Still holds up. Everything about it, just pure joy the whole time it's happening. Even at the end when they're coming in. Don't crash, please. And they just crash. They bite both of them. That's right. That's right. Um, They get the the galactic phone set up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mom leaves the house to go look for the kids. And men enter the home with cases. She pulls out and they're like right in, basically. Yeah. Uh, now in the forest, Elliot and E.T. are waiting. The phone then begins signaling a response. At home, we cut to the men are going through the house. It's lit only by their flashlights. Again. Again. The lights. Yep. Elliot sits down. Is he sad or is he starting to get sick? I think it's both. Okay. If we're going with psychic connection, yep. E.T. is now thinking of leaving, adding that feeling to to Elliot plus Homesick the, and- the, the connection okay. is going to get severed because he's not focused on Elliot anymore. Okay. Um, we cut to the next morning. Elliot awakens. He's looking for E.T. At home, Mom, Mike, and Gertie are in the kitchen talking to a police officer. She's reported him missing. They're in a near panic, no pun intended. Elliot <laughs> comes in um, and tells Mike that E.T. is missing and sends Mike out to find him. And Mary has a nice calm reaction to Listen, Mary is barely holding it together. <laughs> She's doing the best she can. To her credit, when she brings my uh, Elliot to sit down at the chair, what does she say? I'm sorry, I yelled at you. Yeah, I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. owning your mistakes. We get an early version of you know what we'll build on later. As Mike takes off on his bike to go f- look for E.T., clearly that they're still under surveillance, and the government sedan begins following him, but... In the most obvious way possible. They probably, like, they should have had a sign in the front of it, we're following you. Yeah, which Mike immediately recognizes and takes, you know, evasive action to uh, elude them. Um, he, uh, how did this? He finds, Does he, he goes, find, do we see him find him? He must, because then we've got yeah, Elliot he's in ET the water. Oh, he's in the water, that's what you he's, said. He's in the water, he's near the water, and there's a raccoon there uh, near him, and, you know, Mike's like, the raccoon's like, uh, I'm just a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a trash panda. <laughs> so back home, Elliot and E.T. are very sick, and they look at, they bring Mom in, and this is so beautiful, right? Like This is D. Wallace's best scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they're yeah. walking in and be like, ha. Huh. Oh, look at this little art project you made. And then it starts moving, and she's like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. I might quibble, but I would accept this as number two. She's got a scene later when she's going after the kids and trying to shut Gertie up in front of Keys that I like even more. But one and one A. I'm, I, you know, so. <laughs> and that is a good scene, too. So she scoops up Elliot. Clearly, she's going to bring him to the emergency room, but she's basically blocked at the front door as a man in a space suit, literal space suit. With uh, the solar her. panel down. Why? You're on. Un- Intending to look ominous and scary. Yeah, Again, I, I know I know what they're going for, but oh, in sure. universe, I'm like, oh. do you only need those to stop the radiation that the sun can't? I you, mean, yeah, just- there's no reason for them to have that suit. That's a That's a suit for... They should have been Space. hazmat suits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which which later they convert to, which makes more sense. But again, sure. I think he's just playing up the the strange. Because this is this is terrifying. I mean, suddenly we're back in a horror film. Yeah, the burst the zombies bursting in through the windows. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the family surrounded. Yelling, this is my home. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. man. Um, 
So one of them approaches E.T., who's been, of course, left alone in the bathroom there. Um, and now we're outside, and the whole house is getting uh, the termite treatment. It's getting tented and, and plastic, the whole thing. They're in hazmat suits, which makes more sense. Uh-huh. Um, but they've got the tubes running up to the house, the jam- the the hamster tubes there. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, this is the first time we see an adult's face other than mom's. And, of course, it's Peter Coyote. They're interviewing Mike to try and understand what's happening. Elliot and E.T. are side by side on two, you know, basically gurneys in a, you know, plastic tent within the house. Yeah, it's in the kitchen. And it's clear that neither of them are doing well. They're both on monitors. They don't look good. E.T. is frosted now at this point yeah. i don't know how to describe yeah, it right? he was he was like a like a leathery brown now yeah. he's now he's a frost light. now he's a shredded mini wheat frosted shredded oh, mini wheat how yeah. fucking dare you yeah. um all the doctors and nurses uh, that are working on et are real er doctors and nurses no kidding they were cast and said do what you need to do to save this person wow Oh, and they cool. threw things at him like his crits are dropping. This is happening. That's why, you know, the very real moment of quiet everybody and him listening, you know, for, for the no kidding to see if it's a Sicily again. And wow. it's just, I just love it. I love it so much. Uh, and it's also, you know, where the, where the water works start. Yeah, well, mine coming in a minute. Um, from this moment on, though, there's nothing to be afraid of the adults except for they have plans that the kids have to thwart but you know the, from yeah. the moment we see keys the, the adults are never nefarious yeah 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 exactly but I, I i love how from the moment we see keys face then we see all the other adults faces we see them as people yeah. it's a wonderful switch and it's it's done so well yeah um mike is in elliot's room he sees that the flowers have wilted entirely and of course this mirrors et crashing himself they rush Elliot away from the from the area so they can work on E.T., but mm-hmm. of course, it's in vain. I think I told the story. Must have been the 2002 release, the 20th anniversary. And you took Christian. I took yeah. Christian and totally forgot that, oh my God, E.T. appears to die. And Christian turns to me in the... It was the exact same thing Joseph did in Avengers Infinity War when... And Joseph turned to me like, what is happening? It was the exact same look. I was like, oh, my God, I'm a horrible father now again. No. <laughs> yep. Um, Drew's reaction to E.T. being um, uh, shocked is something that I have trouble talking about right now. Yeah, I, oh, my gosh. You really, it's, yeah. It's really just because it's real. Yeah. Especially now knowing, watching the special features today, Drew adult drew was talking about it and she was like i kind of knew at six that it was all pretend but like a part of me made et real in my life and then it cuts to footage of her you know crying in the the shock and then cutting to like behind the scenes footage uncontrollably crying steven spielberg has his arms around (laughs) her and he's like it's okay and he goes and he looks at the camera and goes movies sometimes suck oh oh that's heartbreaking and you're just like oh my god they captured this real child's breakdown oh my god it's just so beautiful and wonderfully done it's just god damn it this movie is 
Uh, l- <sighs> luckily, we don't stay in this spot for long. So, but we do. Well, uh, relatively, yeah, relatively. The speaking. death of ET is played on for uh, easily. I didn't time it, but it feels like about seven minutes, and that's six minutes and thirty seconds too long. <laughs> Okay. In a kid's movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus Christ. That's like, true. Obviously, I know he's going to be fine, but uh, like, or yesterday watching it, I was like, I don't remember it taking this long. Yeah. For his heart, like, Ke- to come back on. Keys does the movie trope of closing E.T.'s, the corpse of E.T.'s eyes, right? He does that, he does that bit. Which does not work. Well, yeah. maybe on his physiology, but on humans, if you die with your eyes open, guess what? Your eyes stay open. Yeah, I um what? That's why you put penny that's why you would put uh gold pieces on on people's eyes. Well, they also thought they were buying their way. Uh, oh, well that's, that's too. For yeah. Care on the ferryman. Um what podcast was it? Maybe it was Freakonomics talking about basically the business of death, the you know, funeral business. A woman wrote some books on it. Really interesting. Really interesting guest. And uh it was the book club, it was Freakonomics book club. It was like the business of dying or something like that. It was really good. Huh. Um, but she talks about like all the techniques they do to make our loved ones appear natural in a casket, which can include, you know, stitches and stuff to to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I have only been to two open caskets. Really? Wow. Uh, of family members. Okay. There have been Got other it. ones. But- yeah, yeah. And the first one I went to was my grandfather, my father's father. And I still remember looking at him like, that's That's not not my grandfather. Like, I knew, like, yeah, they do the best they can. And I'm definitely not shitting on the mortician. uh, You know, know, they're dealing with dead bodies I can't even imagine. Right. Um, But it just didn't work. Yeah. I want to be turned into a tree. Yeah. So don't don't cremate me because, like, ash cremains are not like fertilizer or anything. I want the one where I can be useful to the return me to the circle of life. You and me both, brother. Yep. I want that little pod thing. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Let yeah, me yeah, be a yeah. great tree. I'll be a great tree. I get the best fruit. Yeah, that's right. 100%. Elliot gives this really beautiful speech. to leave and right before he leaves the little heart light comes on and he goes over and ets no, uh, no, no, no. as he walk no he's walking away and the flowers have started to bloom oh Isn't that's that what his catches key? his eye and he yeah, turns right. around right. he runs back and the heart light comes on and the heart light's on but when he unzips and he goes et phone home 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 
And and Elliot immediately switches to phone home. Phone, phone, phone. What a wonderful dynamic from the absolute grief we felt moments ago to the joy of watching Elliot try to keep him quiet. And then as the adults come back, he closes the lid and he throws himself into these histrionics, right? Like just ridiculously funny. It's clear Keyes does not have a lot of uh, experience with children because he sees the flowers are getting bigger again. And (laughs) Keyes, would you like the flowers? Right. So, of course, Elliot has to act quickly because Key takes Elliot out. The techs are preparing to transport the tank with E.T.'s body. Uh, Gertie comes in to Mom as she's talking to Keys. Are they gone, Mama? You'll be detained, honestly, eight days to two weeks. What boys? I'm supposed to give you this note when they're gone. Mary's like... Fucking kids that's exactly, really right now. That's exactly what it is. She's Gertie, like one more fucking thing, right? Give it to me now, Gertie. There's a dead alien in my living room. Oh, now I love this scene. So Mike and Elliot hijack the, the van. Yeah, Mike. Did you uh, recognize the guy? No. Oh, who, who is he? He is blue singer uh, Michael Daryl. Michael Daryl. Okay, I see him. Van man. I that uh-huh. name is. Not I just familiar. love the. Hey. That's his. Who are you? That's his only actor credit. He's so good. He, he just the uh, un- unlock the door. Uh, like he's trying to be like, hey, yeah. we're friends here. Yeah, we got this. Unlock the door. Hey kid, uh, uh, what does Michael say? Does he say I'm the driver? Hey, who are you? I'm driving. Open the door, son. He's starting out nice, right? Like I can I can sweet talk the kid into unlocking the door. Uh huh. Uh, which, of course, does not work. They take off. Uh, Takes half of the, the hamster tube with them, with people with in it. two techs in it, yep. Uh, Elliot's in the back and starts realizing that he can pull the the little pins that are connecting uh-huh. the tubes, and he starts doing it. And it's a really fun chase. And I love one of the techs. Mike stops long enough as he pulls out to basically give the squad directions on where to where to meet up. So yeah. they take off. They meet at the park. The squad meets E.T. Elliot is vindicated from his earlier humiliation. He's a man from outer space, and we're taking him to a spaceship. Well, can he just beam up? This is reality, Greg. Now they're the little kids that don't understand how the world works. Yeah. Um, so we see the agents rush the van, but of course the kids are already gone. They're on their bikes, and it's a wonderful bike chase, right? We st- we had a split second glimpse of it before when it was just Mike. Now it's uh-huh. the whole crew, and increasing numbers of police cars and these you know unmarked government vehicles, and it's just so much it- fun. Except for when it's all the uh, dirt bike uh, stunts. Yeah. They're like, okay, Elliot, put your hood up. Uh, see Thomas Howell, put a uh, ski mask on. Yeah. Here, kid, put on, like, hide your faces. Yeah, that's right. Hunch down over the bikes. Um, and it's great. And, you know, I think if you look at the mechanics of building the tension here, the, the chase goes for a few minutes. And as it goes on, again, we get more cars. The cars are increasingly turning, you know, closing avenues of escape for the kids, yeah. um, building the tension until, you know, at one point the agents are, uh, you know, converge behind the, the kids' 
The agents are on foot running, chasing them, chasing them towards the two cars that have, you know, effectively blocked the road, manned by two agents with shotguns. And as the music swells, of course, E.T. lifts the bikes up and they all ride over. And this is (laughs) this is my moment. Why am I crying? But that's the triumphant uh, moment. And I fully blame John Williams. (laughs) Motherfucker. Um, so, do you know for the 20th anniversary, you know how they've done like some of the Harry Potter movies? Yeah, where you have an where orchestra in front of the movie. Thank you, T. <gasps> no kidding. I think that was the first one. Brilliant. Williams makes a mention of it, and I think he's right. And, you know, because I'm like, oh, well, I said, oh, that was fucking 20 years ago yeah. they did that. So, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. wild. That's wild. And I got to tell you, they show bits of it. There are parts of the movie that I've never teared up at. Just hearing it with a full live orchestra, I was like, Right? So good. Magnificent bastard. The squad makes it to the phone in the forest. A light shines down on on them from above. The spaceship lands. Mom and Gertie pull up as the spaceship opens. And we get the series of goodbyes. Bert, Gertie says goodbye to E.T. And he tells her, be good. She gives him a Again, kiss. Which, is, which okay. is the thing that she he taught. Because it was something with Sesame Street. She was watching Sesame Street. Oh, and it was, be, and she was like, oh, good. Be good. And right. Be good. That's when she he first starts speaking. They're doing the B uh-huh. words, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, E.T. and Mike exchange a moment. E.T. thanks him. It was my note. Mm-hmm. Does he, he, he must not have said it. He must have conveyed it. Because everything no, he Mike, said, I've I think, got in caps and quotes. I think Mike says thank you. Got it. Got it, got it. Um, Mom and Keys run up. It's now Elliot and E.T.'s turn to say goodbye to each other. E.T. says, Um. Elliot says, Stay. E.T.'s heart glows. He takes his finger to his mouth, says, Elliot replies, Ouch. They hug. As everyone watches on, Dee Wallace falls to her knees. Elliot and Mary look at each other. Everyone is sad. The light from the spaceship backlights E.T. and Elliot. E.T.'s finger lights up. E.T. says, I'll be right here. Swell of music. Elliot says, what? 
E.T. takes the flowers with him. He boards the spaceship. Harv tries to board the spaceship, decides not to. The spaceship starts to close as we hear the ET theme one more time. ET stands at the door while the gate closes. Looking at Elliot. The grate starts to close on E.T.'s heart light. I love that. It, yeah, the music just gets... It's brilliant. And the ship rises up and shoots across the sky, leaving a rainbow trail. Giant Tiffany at the end. God damn. Oh, man, that was a movie. That was a fucking... Casey, I'm telling you, you set a high bar for this season with starting out with E.T. Oh, all right. So, Casey, we got some questions that we got to answer. We sure do. Todd. Yes, Casey. Who is your favorite character? Listen, I'm going to accept anything you say because there's nothing weak in this moment. But I think, man, Henry Thomas Elliot is fucking crushing it. Um, no, I will accept no other answer. It is okay. Henry Thomas. Right. It, well, it's his agreeing. movie. Uh, well, here's uh, initially this movie was called A Boy's Life, and then they was changed it really? It. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casey, what is the best scene? It's Elliot and Et's uh, first night together. The the, the initial him, yeah. Oh, Ooh. It's just it's Spielberg magic. I, it's so good. Listen, I'll accept that. I'll accept anything. I like the next day when he's you know all the little cameos of stuff. Oh look, listen. Unlike when we hate a movie, I could say the best scene is when it says "ET the extraterrestrial" that, at yeah. the beginning, and then when the spaceship leaves sure, at the end. Sure. If I really wanted to, sure. Um, you know something? I, I don't. I would. I almost said perversely. It's not perversely. There's something about the moment when we know the adults aren't grown-ups, but they have this view of what they think they have to do, right? Uh-huh. And the moment that the kids, you know, fly up over the roadblock is just it's this like validation oh. of like the beauty and the power of innocence and but I'll accept anything. It's just a phenomenal movie. Did you ever go to Universal when they had the ET ride? No. No, I did not. I missed it. Todd, it's Was fucking, it cool? It's 
gold. Oh, it's bet. so good. You you're riding in bikes. Sure. And you have to save E.T. again. He's come back to the planet. Yeah, yeah. And you're going through the forest and all these cars come at you at the beginning. And then you hit one thing where a car is coming at you. And you, and you go up. flying through wow. the air. And at the end, you get him back to his home planet and he's going to send you home. And he says goodbye to you personally. <laughs> what? He will go. Who's chopping onions in here? That's ridiculous. Goodbye, Todd. Here's what? Like, oh. Yeah. He says your name. He says your personally. name. Personally. At the beginning of the ride, they ask you for your name, oh, and you insane. get it, and they input it into the computer, and PT says goodbye. Fucker! Holy cow! Yeah, right. Oh. Hey, Todd. Um, I, I mean, I know my answer. There's nothing. But to is cut. there anything? No, there's nothing. If to anything, cut. I would add the two scenes that we talked about back in. Yeah, I, I mean, I get why the first one, where the like, kind of like some of the magic happens early. I get why you want to kind of space that out. But listen, there's nothing that. There's nothing in the theatrical release to cut. Nothing. Sure. Oh, also with the with the scene where they're weighing him and everything, they both get scared by the phone ringing. That's Kinda funny. Bringing, bringing, but it also brings in that oh, they're connected. Oh, got it. Got a it. lot sooner. Sooner. Okay. Because um, why would Elliot get, be scared of a phone? Yeah. Ringing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Casey, who's the actor? This is a tough one. Who's the actor having the most most fun? I don't think it's Henry. Nope. He's doing a lot of work. Yep. I don't think it's true. No, certainly not with what you just described with the. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's Steve Wallace. Right. I think. I don't think it's Peter Coyote. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, Mike. Uh, uh, McNaughton. Yeah, Michael. What's what's his the actor's name? The actor's name is Robert McNaughton. My, Robert McNaughton just seems like he, like like. When he's when he's waiting for E.T. to come in, that was the first time he saw E.T. also. I saw like that. Hen- the, yeah. Henry had seen him. And, like, he'd even asked Henry. He's like, hey, what is uh, what is?" And he's like. You'll see. You'll see. Like, Henry knew the assignment, as yep. the kids say these days. Let, he knew, don't him tell react. him anything. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> But I just love when he's waiting. And Mom's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like, he yeah. just seems like he's having a, the best time being the older brother. I, I I think you're. I think you're exactly right. I think that. I think it's Mike. Wow. Because he doesn't have any like the really heavy scenes like Henry does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still he has emotion to show, but, but he's yeah, not like. But not like well, he's, he's not, not carrying the weight that that Henry is. Yeah. Good lord. Um, so once again, this movie was a seven point eight out of ten on the IMDb score. I mean, it's there. It's a hundred percent for me. This movie is. is it's a hundred percent. Yeah, this is a perfect movie. This so is a perfect movie. This this is what will make you feel better. Cinema Score is a market oh. research firm based in Las Vegas. It surveys film audiences to rate their viewing experiences with letter grades, reports the results, and forecasts box office receipts based on the data. It was founded okay. in 1979. Okay. Uh, now, uh, there is a list of. It looks like probably my guess is. Geez, looks like probably it's got to be 50 or 60 A-plus movies. Mm. There's only a handful of directors who have more than one A-plus movie. Uh, as of 2019, only two directors have made the list three times, um, Rob Reiner and Alex Kendrick. Um, there are one, two, three. There's, there's more. There's about There's about 10 directors who have made the list two times. Steven okay. B- Spielberg made it in 1982 with E.T. the Extraterrestrial, an A-plus film, and then made it in 1993 with Schindler's List. 
So oh. talk about <laughs> different bookends. So, but I, when you said '93, I'm like, oh, Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not. Yeah. That. No. No. no, no. I mean, uh, same year. It's, it's crazy that Schindler's List and Jurassic oh, Park came sure. out in the same oh, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. year. So I think A plus is a far better rating than a seven point eight. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. This is a perfect movie. I I I don't understand. I, I might, for my own curiosity, go try and find bad reviews of this movie and see what it is they're pointing to. And rate them as harmful reviews. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Is that a little too extreme? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, uh, Dad's Breakdown, Watch It With The Kids. I've of watched course. it with one of my yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've watched it with The Bean. Watching it here, I think I'm going to have to watch. I don't think, I don't think the, the goon has watched it. I might. I'll bet I could get Joe to watch it too. I, I I need to watch this with them. It's it's worth watching. It's so good. It's just thank you, Mr. Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Now, uh, once again, uh, we're alternating as we do in Patreon times. So you picked a movie from your early childhood. I picked a movie, oddly enough, from the same year, 1982's so The weird. Secret of Nim. Yes. So let's. Um. Oh, oh yeah. Do you have a reaction before we? No, I'm very excited to watch that. And I just have to say, you know, the, the poor turkey fell down. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, let's uh, poor turkey let's watch no, this trailer. No, we don't want. What are you doing? Do we watch the trailers in Patreon? Yeah, don't we watch them all the time? I don't know. Uh, it depends on if we've told the other person. Oh, no, because no, cause we, we know at the sell. end of the episode. Yeah, so we, yeah, we watch the trailer. No, let's watch the Aurora and Don Bluth Productions present a classic adventure in motion picture entertainment. I must tell you about Nim. Look there. It's a fantasy with wizards and villains. And heroes. I ain't scared of nothing. I'm not even afraid of the great owl. Will you hush up? Come on. It's an odyssey to another world. A world of fantasy and enchantment. To what you see and hear, you must swear absolute secrecy. It's the most beautiful sight I've ever seen. Do you like me? Of course I like you. It's a story of friendship. I mean, you don't think I'm clumsy or anything. What? I just need a few pointers to polish my style. I told you you'd love flying. I don't know how I let you talk me into this. It's a classic story of courage. Why have you come? And a world of danger. If I hadn't actually been near a cat, I'd be sneezing my brains out. I'm allergic to hay. Excuse me, pardon me. Where courage is rewarded. Oh, thank you. A motion picture for everyone to share. Oh, the poor turkey fell down. I'm I'm not a turkey. Big no, buzzard, stop where's our mother? Get down with her. You better kill her. Discover the secret of Nim. And rediscover the child in us all. 
All right. Good old Don Bluth animation. <laughs> um, do you want to guess at what the IMDb rating for this movie is? I bet you this is low because of how scary it was. I bet you there are some parents that ripped this thing apart. 7.6. That's ridiculous. It's low. It's too low. Look, it's not 100% like this movie. Sure. But this, this is way higher than that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100% agree with you. I'm not saying it's 100%. No, no, yeah, I got you. You did that the last time this happened. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> oh, man, boy, I'm really excited. I think we're off to a really good start with the season of Patreon. Yeah, let's keep it that way, Todd. I'm sure we're both going to be very happy with the results. <laughs> uh, listen, I'll be honest. I'm also not set in stone. I've, I've got some thoughts, but I could change it up. I could change it up. It's entirely possible. I want you to leave all the silence in. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Proving uh, that I <laughs> just staring you down through uh, Zoom. Uh, that's great. All right, my friend. Uh, so listen, people know where to find us. They know how to get yeah, a hold of us. Yeah, if you're on Patreon, you don't need to know. Yeah. But thank you for your patronage. Um, if you haven't, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you obviously like what we do. If you could <coughs> try that again without yeah, dying. sure. You're a Patreon subscriber. You obviously like what we do. If you could go over to Apple Podcast and rate and review us with five stars and some nice, kind words for us, we would really appreciate that. That moves us up in the algorithm to be seen on more platforms, Get us helps us and helps Night Shift Radio uh, along the way to becoming, you know, the, the next ginormous, awesome thing. Uh, 100%. (laughs) So, Casey, that was a movie. That was a masterpiece. That's what that was. It sure was. Music for our episodes comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at silvermansound.com. So that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this week. So that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this episode of Patreon for Casey Ryan. What the fuck? <laughs> we haven't recorded in a while. We did so... No, yeah. no. We're, we're at the end. We're at like, the end. we did so well the whole episode. Yeah, yeah. So that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this episode of Patreon. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. And for Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. Be, Be heroic. heroic. All right, man. Oh. <laughs> All right. Go get some rest. I hope you feel better. Oh, thanks. I have to go get my beer. It's in the freezer. Okay. Hang on a second. All right. No worries. No worries. Yeah. <laughs>